following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Great to be with you again. You know, Jordan talked about being an old guy, and that's true. I graduated in high school in 1968, and I was a lost soul. I had no idea what to do with my life, but my dad ran construction crews, so I started working construction, and it took one winter for me to decide I didn't want to do this. Well, the next summer, Uncle Sam was breathing heavily down my neck, and so that August, I decided I'm just going to get this over with, but I'm going to do it right. I went down and volunteered to be drafted into the Marine Corps. And, hoorah, yeah. I came home, my dad, I said to my dad, I said, Dad, I went down and just volunteered to get this over with, I, and I volunteered to be drafted in the Marine Corps. I'll never forget, he looked at me and said, Craig, you did another dumb thing. <laughs> and it certainly seemed that way, especially since the number one, or number two hit on the billboard truck charts at that time was a song by Credence Clearwater Revival called what? Bad Moon Horizon. Now imagine going to boot camp in the Marine Corps and then off to Vietnam, that was the plan, and this is the number two hit. I see the bad moon arising. I see trouble on the way. I see earthquakes and lightning. I see bad times today. I hear hurricanes are blowing. I hear the end is coming soon. I fear rivers overflowing. I hear the voice of rage and ruin. Hope you've got your things together. I hope you're quite prepared to die. Looks like we're in for some nasty weather. One eye is taken for an eye. Well, don't go around tonight. It's bound to take your life. And there's your bad moon on the rise. Well, that'd give you a lot of confidence to go into the military, won't it? Well, bad moon on the rise. You know, uh, Jordan did give me this assigned passage as you walk through First and Second Thessalonians, and I thought, uh, when I first looked at it, I thought, wow, this isn't the easiest passage to preach. But then I looked at the one he handled last week on the man of lawlessness, and I was praising God. I didn't get that one. So <laughs> thank you, Jordan, for that. But... Uh, If you turn now to 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse 13, we're going to talk about having a firm foundation. We've been singing about it, uh, being uh, founded on that solid rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. But speaking of that, I don't know if you've ever been to uh, Turnip Island or been over in that area, Lake Huron, on the the Detroit side of uh, Lake Michigan, or, uh, of Michigan, but let me show you a couple pictures. These are really interesting. This is a little island where you see a, a group of trees on a rock. How do they survive? Well, they, uh, they're holding on to the solid rock, but they're also holding on to each other, and that's how they survive. Even as the next picture would show, during uh, the middle of the winter, look at that. How are they surviving? Uh, under such severe situations. The bad moon's rising on that rock, but they're holding on to the solid rock, and they're holding on to one another. 
and that's wonderful. And we need one another. We've been singing about that. We need the solid rock. But sometimes we have to even go it alone. We'll answer for our own lives. And if you go up to pictured rocks at the top of the UP, there's another uh, rock there called Chapel Rock. It's just amazing. I love this spot. This is, if you see it there, a uh, Lake Superior's there. It just comes in beating on this rock, and it's eroded over the years. And yet there's one tree that is surviving, and there's almost no dirt there. It's holding on to the rock. But if you notice, there's this big vine, and it all that eroded, but it's still holding on to land over there by this vine. If we look at the next picture uh, from Lake Superior, look at that. Isn't that amazing, this tree? Just, just surviving and flourishing, even though it's beaten and battered underneath, it's holding on to that solid foundation, that rock. But also, and you can hardly see it except for an angle, it's got this big root. It's rooted and it's grounded on land there. An illustration, I think, of the fact that we can survive the worst of storms as long as we are founded on the rock. And if we have our life coming from the Lord Jesus Christ, that's pretty much what this passage is going to say. So if we turn now to uh, verse 13, Paul is talking about how people are going to be deceived, the lawless one. They love pleasures rather than the truth. But he's writing to these Thessalonians, and it's a wonderful church, one of the earliest churches that he's written to. He calls them the first fruits. But he said... We ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord. How do you make it through the storms of life when the bad moon is rising uh, worldwide, nationally, or in your own life? You need brothers, and you're all beloved in the Lord. You hold on to one another like those trees up at Turnip, Turnip Island. And uh, you need to know who you are, that you are loved by the Lord, and you are brothers and sisters in Christ. You're not going through this alone. And then he says this, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. Uh, we said that this is one of the earliest churches if, uh, in First Thessalonians, Jordan shared with you, Paul was run out of town after three weeks, and yet... He was so glad to hear that they were, they were really doing well in faith and love and hope and uh, strong in the midst of great difficulties. You were chosen as the first fruits to be saved. How do you handle the fact that Scripture teaches about us being chosen? <laughs> uh, I love what John Stott says about this. He says, although divine election perplexes the mind, it also greatly comforts the heart and explains our experience. <laughs> you know, I shared with you that my dad said, Craig, you did a dumb thing. And it may have been on the surface, but you know, the next thing I know, months later, I'm in Okinawa. And some guys came, talked to me. They were from the Navigators. Before I knew it, I had memorized the whole TMS. I think it's 66 or 64 verses of Scripture. Came to know Christ. Chosen. God was using everything in my life to bring me to him. And you know that's true of all of our lives. If you are one of the chosen, if you know him, 
You can look back at your life and see how he used everything to bring you to him. Someone said, life is to be lived like reading a book from the beginning to the end, but we understand it from reading it from the end or looking back from the end to the beginning. Our lives, if you know Christ, I believe you can look back and say, that seemed bad, but God turned it around for good to make me more Christ-like, to bring me to himself and then to help me to grow in that. Because God chose you as first fruits, this particular church was the promise of more things to come amongst the Gentiles, we're selected to be saved. You know, uh, we think we have to have this uh, great gospel presentation and do it so slick to win people to Christ. A few weeks ago, I was in uh, Phoenix, Arizona uh, speaking, and this young man told me this story. It was amazing. Uh, he said uh, that he was, uh, he said, my life was just a, a mess. He said, I was so deep in sin. He said, I was so depressed. And I just cried out, God, somehow, God, uh, speak to me. Send somebody my way. He said his phone uh, uh, rang, an unidentified number, but he picked it up anyway. And it was a recorded message, and it said this. If you're not saved and you'd like to be saved, stay on the line. So he stayed on the line. He said, I never talked to a human. He said, then it said, now that you've stayed on the line, let me explain to you how you can be saved. And led him through a gospel presentation. He prayed to receive Christ online. It says, now that you've done this, uh, this is the church that's doing these recordings. Please come to church. And he did. But, boy, that was slick, wasn't it? Real personal. If, uh, if you want to get saved, stay on the line. And uh, first of all, I think the biggest miracle of that is the guy picked up the phone of a number he didn't know. <laughs> but uh, if you're saved, however God used it, it's because not somebody present. He worked in your heart, and uh, God will use uh, even that as you look back to somehow draw you to your, himself, even to do a dumb thing. Through sanctification. Sanctification means to be set apart. That in a sanctification of or by the Spirit. And belief in the truth. Look at this. God does the selecting. He does the saving. The Holy Spirit does the sanctifying, working in us. From the moment we receive Christ to the moment we're glorified in heaven. The Holy Spirit is working in our lives to sanctify us. Using everything to make us more Christ-like. And... We need to believe in the truth. You know, I've read some scholars would say, even believing in the truth is a gift from God. You have nothing to do with that. And yet, I see in Scripture a lot of times where, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. <laughs> um, many, Paul said in Thessalonica, many believed, many didn't. It seems to me God gives us this gift of being able to say yes or no. It's not forced upon us. If there's any part we play here, it's, yes, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief, but I, I believe. Now, the ability is the gift, but I believe that we're not robots, that it's the belief in the truth that begins this, or the response to the choosing, to the selecting, the saving, the sanctifying, and it's always God at work. And then in verse 14, it says, to this he called you through our gospel, uh, this is the goal. This is what he wants for us through the gospel. He's called us. God has chosen, and he's called. God the Father has. But he called us through our gospel. 
And that Paul's saying, I came and I preached the gospel to you. Romans 10 says this in 14 15. How shall they hear unless without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news, the gospel of peace. Um, God uses us. What a, what a um, wonderful truth to know that God will actually use us as instruments to minister to other people, to help in this process of turning on the lights and letting them see Jesus Christ and then give, bring them in on all the good things that are ahead. Look at what it says is ahead. So that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory, the fame, the, uh, the renown. You get in on the glory too. We're saved, we're sanctified, one day you're going to be glorified and you get in on that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at who all's at work here, the entire Trinity. God the Father um, is the one who chooses and calls. Uh, the Spirit sanctifies, the Son saves, and the Son glorifies. The whole Trinity is involved in working in us. We must be important to Him, them, for this to happen. I love what A.W. Tozer says about this, although it's very difficult to live out. He says this, that when we understand that everything that happens to us is to make us more Christ-like, it resolves a great deal of anxiety. Think about that. If we could really buy into this, whatever happens in my life, even if I do a dumb thing... <laughs> God has the ability to take that, if we'll accept it, and use it for the ultimate goal that if we were smart enough, it's what we would want, to become more Christ-like. That would resolve a whole lot of anxiety, wouldn't it? And I strive to live that way. Sometimes I argue with God about it. remember one time I went into a hospital room where a woman had a heart attack, a younger lady, she looked at me, she said, this was not in my script. <laughs> well, apparently it was in God's, right? First John chapter 3, verse 2 says this. We are now the children of God, and it hath not yet appeared what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we will be like him. It says, and he who has this hope in himself does what purifies himself, even as he is pure. If he's working our lives that way, we know that one day I'm going to be glorified. I'm going to be like Christ. I don't understand it all, but it's going to be good, that's for sure. And I want to, I want to be ready. I want to purify myself, even as he is pure. Until then, Romans 8, 29 says, we are now to be conformed to the image of his dear son. We're always being changed. And it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, As we behold his glory with his face revealed, we are being transformed into his likeness, glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. Our sanctification process as we get to know Christ, it says it's more is revealed, more of him is revealed in us. And it's just this growth, this transformation. It's not overnight, is it? That's for sure. 
Um, I saw this uh, cartoon, one of those old Far Side jokes, um, and it showed a caterpillar and a butterfly sharing a, a drink, sitting at a table. And the caterpillar looked at the butterfly and said, you've changed. <laughs> well, I pulled that up on the internet, and somebody had written a net, an extra one that, uh, that uh, Gary Larson had, and it says, well, we're supposed to. <laughs> Wouldn't it? It, it, what, it'd be terrible. You know, this, uh, I've never gone to these. When I, when I was a senior in high school, I changed high school. So, um, you know, if I'd have graduated from that high school, there would have been 41 that graduated. But the next high school meant nothing to me because I went there one year. And, but just recently, I got an invitation to go back to the high school I went to 11 years in. And uh, they said, we'd like to invite you to our high school reunion, our 55th. And I said to Jan, man alive, if there were only 40 that graduated, it means uh, 20 of them are dead. <laughs> and they're just inviting me because they're hard up. They need somebody to come, you know. <laughs> There's nobody left. And uh, they are having it at 6 in the evening, which surprised me because my parents said after their 50th, they started having it at brunch because nobody drove at night. <laughs> but... Uh, when we get there, we know that physically, they better have name tags, man. Big ones. <laughs> but uh, because we will have all changed, right? There's nobody going to look like they did in high school. But what would be terrible is if they want to go back and talk about high school days. You know, uh, their, whatever they, how fast they could run a mile or something like that. It's like, didn't you grow beyond that? Haven't you done anything since high school? Well, quite frankly, I think it's wonderful when people give their testimony and talk about how they came to know Christ. However, I want the rest of the story. Uh, you know, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, someone has said should never be taught without verse 10. For, for by grace are we saved, through faith, and that not of ourselves. It's a gift from God, uh, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's wonderful. The rest of the te testimony. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, um, that we should walk therein. Well, what's happened since your birthday, your spiritual birthday, right? Um, we ought to be able to... Once in a while, get together with people, talk for a while, and they go, you've changed. You're, uh, you're becoming more Christ-like over the years. And wouldn't it be horrible if, if they said, well, I just, I've never grown, but praise God, I'm, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. And um, one of the sad things, and I'm certain Jordan would tell you this, and, and uh, I uh, have faced it over my career, is where you're... Uh, going to to do the funeral of someone, and uh, you're you're asked to preach them into heaven because when they were 12 years old, they went forward, they got baptized, but there's no fruit throughout their entire lives, and now they're 80 years old, and you're supposed to go back to 12 years old and say, "Praise God, they're in heaven." Well, I can't judge, but I tell you what, I'd like to be able to say, and over. Th the lifetime, that caterpillar turned into a butterfly. Christ-likeness, because the Holy Spirit 
working in their lives. And then in verse 15, he says this. So then, brothers, what about what do we do when the man of lawlessness is out there? The spirit of lawlessness is already at work. That there are people who hate the truth and hate you because you love the truth. And they love pleasures and they, they hate God. So then, brothers, this is for the believers, what do we do in the midst of a world that seems to be falling apart? Man, if you think the bad moon was rising in 1969, it ain't even rising now, you know. <laughs> Stand firm. That's the title of the sermon. Stand firm like those trees. It's present imperative, meaning this. Do it and keep on doing it against all external and internal currents of opposition and deception. Wow. There's going to be a lot of lies out there, easy to be deceived. Jordan's been teaching that. Lots of currents of opposition. I tell you what, if you stand up for Christ today, you're going to be against the current, aren't you? Christians are swimming upstream in the culture. Always have been, but it seems like it's getting, like the current's getting stronger, doesn't it? Not with us, but against us, right? Um, we need to stand firm. Uh, hold on to the traditions that were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Uh, you know, if, as you've been teaching through here, that there were... Uh, false teachers and false letters going out. And Paul said, that didn't come from me. You, you need to hold on to the traditions, and the traditions there means the, the, what's the, the foundational truths that I taught there. You know, traditions can be bad, but this means that it's actually the gospel is what it's speaking about. You better hold on to the truth and the gospel that you were taught by trusted leaders by us, the true word of God, the ancient paths. Um, and it actually means hold on to it tenaciously. You know, I, I heard recently where a doctor said uh, this uh, person had uh, gotten uh, bit by a pit bull, uh, bad. And uh, the doctor in the emergency room, without even knowing, said it was a pit bull, wasn't it? They said, yeah. He said, we can always tell because when they bite, they start jerking back and forth, just ripping. They will not let go. Well, that might be bad for a pit bull if he bites you, but we ought to be bulldog determined. <laughs> it's not a time to compromise and fudge on truth. Um, we need to hold on tight. Stand firm, hold on tight to the rock and to each other like that uh, tulip island. And... Um, one man, Kent Hughes, I really love this, a book years ago, he's a pastor over in Chicago, uh, everything was going south on, in his life. It was, bad moon was rising. And he said, he started to leaf through his Bible for what do I do, what do I do? And he said, I came to this conclusion. I didn't need to learn new and better things. I needed to believe what I already believed. <laughs> Boy, isn't that true? At such times, we need to just believe what I already know. I don't need more information. I just need to live up to what I supposedly know. And you're not going to get that on the evening news. You know, I tell my wife, let's check out what the evening ruse is so it'll light my fuse. <laughs> um, 
just the, if you, if you take your anchor away from truth, man, you're open to anything. Now at verses 16 and 17, there's a prayer. It's called a wish prayer. It doesn't mean, well, I sure hope so, or I wish so, but it's called a wish prayer because it's a prayer, but it's like, this is what I wish for you now. And let's just say right, right now, you know. I had a really interesting thing happen this morning. It ties in. I had uh, I have two grand or a daughter-in-law, a granddaughter, and then uh, my grandson spent the night because they're going up to Grand Rapids, Michigan, to do a Spartan uh, race, and it's an obstacle course. Unbelievable! I looked at it on the internet, and I said, "You guys are crazy, man." And uh, but they're going to a church down in Indy that's trying to decide. Uh, my grandson said, "Who's really into this?" Um, are we pre-millennial, amillennial, or post-millennial? And that was the conversation they wanted to have at breakfast this morning. And um, they said, uh, one of our elders believes in the fact that things are getting bad and believes in that passage in 2 Timothy where it says, in the last days, things will go from bad to worse. One of the other elders said, no, no, things are getting a lot better. Look, look at the advancements we have in technology and medicine and and which one do you believe in, Papa? You and I said. <laughs> they, didn't, they had actually heard this song. I said, I see the bad moon rising. <laughs> I said, I believe things are going to go from bad to worse, and Jesus is going to have to come back and clean this mess up. Man's hearts don't change. And, um, but it says, now may the Lord Jesus Christ, we shouldn't, be in fear, may he himself, it's like, think of this, the Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father who loved us, gave us eternal comfort. Now, he's called the Father of all comfort, but when Jesus left, he said, I'm going to send you what? Another comforter, the Holy Spirit. So we see all three involved, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, the Comforter, Lord Jesus Christ, God himself being the Father of all comfort. We can't lose, can we? And give you eternal comfort and good hope. That means eternal comfort means nothing's going to put it out, you know, like an eternal flame. And good hope through grace. Everything's by grace, but we ought to be hopeful people. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think we realize the negativity that we're exposed to all the time where people are always listening to news and thinking, oh, man, everything's going, going south. And, and, uh, but, you know, just for the contrast of this, I went out to Potato Creek uh, State Park Thursday for the uh, groundbreaking of a $100 million lodge out there. And uh, Governor Holcomb was in. And... Uh, he talked about how, why can we do this today? Where do we get this $100 million from? It's because the economy in Indiana is going so well. And he told about great advances in Indiana. Man, he, he almost made me a, a, a post-millennialist. <laughs> <laughs> he was just so positive. Everything he said, I thought, I like that guy. He's, it was so refreshing to hear something positive for once in the world, you know. And uh, good things happening and all that. Um, but the negativity. What if Christians are in contrast to that? And it's not because the economy is going wrong. But we say, hey, listen. 
The Lord Jesus Christ ultimately in charge. God the Father has given me a whole lot of love, eternal comfort, good hope through grace. So, yeah, I'm hopeful. Everything's going to turn out well because it's in the hands of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I'm in their hands. Verse 17 says, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work. Man, we go back to that song. It says, I know the end is coming soon, and I fear rivers overflowing. Well, God's handled those before, right? Jordan River, er, just cut it off. We ought to be hopeful people. Comfort your hearts by the truth and by God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and establish them in every good work and word. Keep on working. Um, Keep on telling the truth. Keep watching. Keep praying. Uh, You know, in the uh, Thessalonian church, there were those who the super spiritual ones stopped working and started mooching off the believers that were working who just weren't as spiritual uh, was the idea there. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Speaking about death and in that chapter says, Therefore, since you're going to be resurrected, since there's this great future for all of us, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. No matter how bad it is, keep on working, working for the Lord. Your labor is not in vain. Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Just as ye have received Christ Jesus as Lord... So walk ye in him, rooted, grounded in him, established in the faith. Reminds you of those trees, doesn't it? What about Chapel Hill Rock up in the UP, man? With Lake Superior, there's uh, one of the areas, that area has shipwrecks everywhere because it gets so bad in the winter. Here's a winter scene picture of it. How's that tree being green and surviving? against all the elements being thrown against it in the winter of Lake Superior? Well, it's holding on to the solid rock, and it's got its root system rooted and grounded in the land, but that's a picture I think of no one understands, but my roots go to a source that no one even understands. You know, uh, I didn't get to go, and... uh, Most of you probably think I'm crazy for wanting to go, but last week, Bob Dylan, at 82 years old, had a concert down in Indianapolis. (laughs) It's called Rowdy Ways. I doubt if his ways are too rowdy anymore. But it's interesting. I looked at his set list, and he's back to doing some of the stuff he did in what was called his Jesus era (laughs) when he was about 40 years old. You can even see in his face just joy. Why now, at 82, is he coming back and singing, you got to serve somebody? Or every grain of sand, as he looks back, he said, every hair is numbered like every gray of sand. Later in my journey, I've come to understand that in my own life, every hair is numbered like every grain of sand. I'm, I'm, listen to this one by him. I'm hanging on to the solid rock that was laid before the foundation of the world. There's all kinds of verses about that. Revelation 13, 8, Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. But he sings this, 
I'm hanging on to the solid rock that was laid before the foundation of the world. For me, he was chastised. For me, he was hated. For me, he was rejected by a world that he created. Nations are angry. Cursed are some. People are expecting a false peace to come, but I'm hanging on. I'm hanging on to the solid rock that was laid before the foundation of the world. And I won't let go, and I can't let go. I won't let go, I can't let go no more. <laughs> I pray that that's true in his life. Well, you may not know that song, but I bet you know this one. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. And there's an exclamation point. Think about it. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. This, believe it, this live by it. And then the rest. What more can he say than to you he has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus hath fled? And then it's a question mark. Let me ask you this. Have you fled to Jesus as your refuge in life? What are you holding on? If you're not holding on to Jesus, solid rock, what are you trusting in to hold you together through the storms of life? When your bad moon rises, when the storms come beating on you and you don't have a firm foundation, what's going to hold you up? When the currents are strong against you, what's going to keep you standing? What are you going to hold on to? When the world is like, Excuse the illustration, but it was Alexander Solzhenitsyn said that the whole world is in a vortex like a toilet being flushed. And the only hope you have is to reach out to the hand of the merciful God. <laughs> we need to hold on to the solid rock. And we need to flee to Jesus as our refuge. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus... Thank you for the truth of Scripture. Thank you for these instructions on what to do in the storms of life. How do we stand firm in the faith on the sure foundation of Jesus Christ and holding on to the truth? I pray that we, our lives, will be much like those trees, Turnip Island, where we're, we're all rooted and grounded together in love, and also the illustration of the tree up on Chapel Rock, that we have a source of life and nourishment that no one else can see. We're rooted and grounded in Christ. I pray that that would be true of everyone here. And now we sing how firm a foundation, and we sing it to you out of joy for giving us strength and a foundation in life. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church Podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.